All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of high kicks in Kung Fu, lots of all the bobs in the world cannot hold down a thrashing Bruce Lee in a hospital. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs> Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm ready. Is that the normal way you respond? That's crazy. I think it's been so long since it's, we did one of these. It's been so long. You feel a little bit out of practice. I weigh out. Like a cactus way wearing out. scented prophylactics. All right, so here we go. We're here for another regular episode. <laughs> All right, what's up with that? What's up with that? All right. Why? Uh, and we've Why? done a couple. We've done a couple lives. I did two with uh, Sifu Topher. Yes. And then we did one together one last with week. Sifu Dre. Yeah. So how the, the hell he get in he, there? I don't know how he got in there. Snuck in some, back door. Actually. Yeah. And uh, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I like the lives. The yeah. the energy is quite different it's because different. when you know when we shoot these. We come in on a Saturday morning. It's just There's you no and disruptions. I. We can, yeah, except, <laughs> except for you. You are the disruption. And, but we can kind of, you know, we can record these mm. in a more Peace. relaxed environment. It's not as frantic mm. as when we do the live and we got all the live comments coming in. And I yes. feel like I got to keep up. But there is something about the lives that I do appreciate. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I think maybe we may end up doing you some more You know what I appreciate about the lives? What? Them donations. The donations. Best the best nation of yes. all the nations. Yes. The donations. The donations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's also great too. And, um, and people still seem to Shout watch Shout out those. to all those donations. Yeah, absolutely. The donators. Thank you to everyone. For Rhythm who, uh, Nation myself. Rhythm Nation. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, um, so here we are uh, doing a regular Ask Me Anything standard wow. format uh, KFG episode for the like first time. Been so long. Dog's age. Yeah. Um, but before uh, we get started, I just want to remind everyone that if you want to support you want the to Kung Fu Genius uh, podcast, okay. you can support us on Patreon for as mm. little as $5 a month. You get access to episodes early, uh, as well as other up. little goodies like my Instagram subscriber-only stuff. And then sometimes I will make uh, some uh, Patreon-only videos. I actually released one publicly here on YouTube so people could kind of see what those are like. Mm -hmm. um, and some people were like, oh, thanks for releasing the Patreon stuff. It's like, no, 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 uh, just that one. It's <laughs> right. just a little. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, what's the point of having yeah. a Patreon, right? That was just to give people an idea of the kind of questions that I answer through Insta from Instagram and Patreon, mm -hmm. uh, specifically for those audiences. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, and for as, for as little as $5 a month, you can get that. Other levels of support, you can get other little goodies as well. So um, there is that. And uh, before we get into questions, I want to talk about something that I'm talk kind of excited about. about. Now, you as you know, you're always excited about something, though. I have, like, uh, yeah, but rarely am I excited about a Bruce Lee book. Oh, uh, mainly because we'll want to have all of them, and they're not that many coming out. Like they're not that many new Bruce Lee books coming out. Right. Um, one of uh, one of the more recent ones was the one do by Doctor James Bishop. Do you have like Bishop. a dedicated bookshelf? Um, yeah, to well, all the Bruce Lee books you have, because uh, yeah, there's so got to be many. I do it. I, I have my, my books on my shelf are like uh, by section, so I have all mm. the in, like the Wing Chun books are subdivided. Like I have all the Long Tang stuff, all the Wong Sun Long stuff. Like I have everything in like groupings, right? So it's really easy for me to go there and find. Right. Oh, I want to see da Sifu David Peterson's book, so I, mm -hmm. I know exactly where the Wong Sun Long books are on my shelf. Damn. Or, or I want to you know see the stuff from John Little. I know where all the John Little books are. So. You know, there's not that many new books coming out about Bruce Lee. All we right. had the Dr. James Bishop book about the the source book for the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, and we had him on the podcast here. Yeah, cool um, episode. But uh, one of our commenters, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was, 
was like, yo, KFG, have you read La Muerte de Bruce Lee? The Death of Bruce Lee. And I was like... I remember uh, this comment. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, no. He's like, oh, this guy put together uh-huh. a book, <clears throat> which is all of the... Um, it's essentially all of the public records in regards to Bruce Lee's death. So it has, um, you know, all the information from the interviews that came from like the various depositions with Raymond Chow, Linda Lee, and Betty Ting Pei, the newspaper stuff, but also things like the autopsy, toxicology reports. He went to Hong Kong and got access to all these records and basically put them all in a book. Uh, now, the book is interesting in that it's in Spanish and in English. Yeah. So um, one page will be English and the other page will be a Spanish translation, which is actually good because then I can improve you my can, Spanish <laughs> a little bit too because it's a topic I'm actually interested can in. work on that. My yeah. Spanish is awful. Yeah. And, it's, it's um, but what's well. nice about it, the book came out, I think, around 2020, uh, 2021. I think it's 2020. So it actually predates the drug letters, unfortunately. A lot of books came um, out in 2020. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I think the drug letters did change Mm. A lot of things about perspective, perspective, right? We have um, and that's always been the problem with Bruce Lee's death, as it is the problem with anything that we speculate on. (laughs) Uh, We have information, but we don't have perspective. mm -hmm. We don't know what that information actually means or if certain aspects of that information even mean anything at all. We have information, but we don't have perspective. And that's a problem. And, and, and that's generally our issue whenever we're trying to discuss something that's unknown. Right. But with, I think with Bruce Lee's death, that's especially true that we, we know a lot of stuff now. And the drug letters have kind of added to that, but they mm-hmm. haven't necessarily, the, nothing has come in and been like this mic drop. Now, what's incredible about the book is it basically goes into the May 10th collapse, which Bruce had, and then obviously his death on July 20th of the same year. And it has all the doctor's notes in the back. It even has the handwritten notes from, uh, it's either uh, probably Riseboro. So I think it's a doctor who did his autopsy. It's got his handwritten notes. It's got all the stuff from the, like the weight of his brain and all that stuff. Now, a lot of these things. How much did his brain weigh? Well, it weighed more because because of the um, the cerebral edema because of the swelling. I mean, to, to be fair, I've actually already seen a lot of the things that are in this book. Okay. But I got one piece of that here, and I got this thing from this guy, and I got this thing from this guy. Scattered. So scattered, but this is like all in one place. Yeah. And still, there were a lot of things in the book that I that um, I didn't know. And what what's great about like it what? is that, well, it consolidates all the information. So mm-hmm. when, when you have some stuff about this here and some stuff about this there, you have to keep that in your mind to remember like, oh yeah, right, this doctor came 45 minutes later because mm-hmm. uh, I read that there, but now you have it all in one narrative. Anything in a book that made mm-hmm. you go, oh. Yes, as a matter of fact. So anyway, uh, for, those of you, for those of you who are uh, watching us on YouTube, uh, this is the book right here. Yeah. I apologize for those of you who are <laughs> listening to us on audio. Um, right. it, is, it is a uh, photo of Bruce Lee from Way the Dragon looking somewhat... Uh, Suspicious, and uh, he kind of he's kind of looking a little bit to the right, like sus hmm, things that make you go hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as you can see, I, I started um, I started reading. I just got the book a couple days ago. All right. So when you uh, when you look at it here, you see I've I've already like filled it full of yeah. notes and stuff. And the reason why this side doesn't have any notes is because that's the Spanish side. Right. So it's not like I only made notes on one half of the book and then skipped the other one. Right. Got it. So um, what? What I thought was really interesting, because we all know that Bruce Lee suffered this collapse on May 10th at Golden Harvest Studios. 
And, uh, you know, the, the, the basic version of that story was mm. that uh, he was in the dubbing studio, dubbing for uh, uh, Enter the Dragon. Because okay. there were a couple, I guess, ADR lines and a couple of, uh, you know, bits of dialogue that needed to be read. ADR lines. What yeah, is that? ADR is like uh, when you don't record audio during the um, movie, oh. but then you need like a throwaway line like, hey, Jim, look over there. You know what I mean? Oh, and then what right. they'll do is they'll record. That's called ADR. I forget uh, what ADR actually is. It's an audio something recording. All right. Whatever, right. So that's why you can sometimes tell in movies when something was ADR because you'll hear like, the audio, especially in older films, not so much in newer films. Sometimes the audio is like a little bit louder than the regular one. It's like a random <laughs> line. You don't hear, you don't see the person saying yeah. it, and that, that's and ADR. So I think he was doing basically some ADR and some dubbing for you know the various. It's, it's like the narration in my brain. It's exactly. Just a bunch of ADR. Up yeah, there. All, all all in different volumes. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to know what it sounds like in your brain. So. <laughs> no, true. You don't want to know. So what what was interesting is okay. So he's in, he's in the recording studio. It's May, it's May, which is you know, hot as hell in Hong yeah. Kong. And of and course, it's they, a recording studio. And it's a small well. recording studio from what I gathered from hell. reading. There's like a little couch in there. Mm -hmm. you, you know, hot uh, as couch. Yeah, he's got he's got his mic. And they, of course, they have to turn the AC off because you can't have that in the background with uh, the sound, right? Because otherwise, you're going to hear. And you can imagine what ACs sounded like in 1973. They're not like the smooth modern ACs of today. Oh, Those yeah. Are loud like the as one hell, we had right? downstairs. Exactly, right? <laughs> All right. So, so they, he has to work in this enclosed soundproof room. Do you remember how hot the, our soundproof studio got downstairs? Yeah. Right? Especially in those summer yeah. months, right? So imagine something like that, but we're talking Hong Kong heat. Mm. And he started to basically feel faint. And then he went out, and it wasn't always clear. He went out to a break room. He went out to the bathroom. Went out to get air. He, he, he kind of stumbled and uh -huh. he, he says that, or he had said that he didn't faint. He just kind of like slumped down. And when some employees came to see what he was doing, mm. he even admitted to Linda that he was on the floor. He slid and, down the wall or something. No, he was on the floor. And when they came in, he said he pretended like he was looking for his glasses, but he was actually oh, kind of slumped. So even, even Bruce Lee admitted that to Linda it was in uh, Bruce Lee, the, the man only I knew um, in that book. So th that was yeah. like something that she even said. And then he gets up, he, he goes it off. He goes to the back to the studio and mm -hmm. then collapses. Oh. And he essentially starts having a seizure. He, uh, his teeth start chattering. Mm. Uh, he starts having spasms. He vomits his spaghetti lunch. And um, everyone is like, oh, yeah, which is funny. And, and, and that was like, and I was like, wow, Bruce Lee <laughs> eats eat spaghetti. It was like, <laughs> you look at his body type and you go, bro, carbs. <laughs> like, what? But, um, Bruce, but, but Bruce was also so skinny at that time of his mm. life. Right? You go, he went to Hong Kong at about 140 pounds. And at this time, wow. uh, you know, by late 72 and certainly by 73, I mean, he was lucky to hold 120 pounds of weight. So you can imagine maybe he, he's trying to bulk up eating yeah. things like spaghetti and stuff because he just cannot keep weight You remember weight the last time you weighed 125? Last I time like I weighed 13. 125, my ball still hadn't dropped yet. <laughs> right, I was 13 or something, man. Yeah, no, I remember getting on a scale and seeing that. It's like, been a yeah, hot minute. It's been a hot minute since I was 125 <laughs> pounds, crazy. right? What about you, Mike? He was 125 last week. Yeah, no comment. I've been, I'm twice 125. There 250? Yeah, no, I'm not 250. <laughs> I'm not 125. Yeah. Wow. It's been a long time. I don't time. even remember. You've never been to 125? You skipped that. Hey, Somewhat. Hey, skip you skipped that one. You jumped that shit. Someone teach Dre how <laughs> physics works. Right? Yeah, unbelievable. Okay, so um, 
So anyway, he was probably eating, you know, maybe he was eating stuff like that because he's trying to gain weight, right? Meatballs. So um, he, he has a seizure. One of the, um, one of the sound techs, Zhao uh, Fukwing, uh, all right? The names of these guys are all in there. Zhao Fukwing. He, he put Chao, Chao. Put a, put a spoon in Bruce Lee's mouth, Chow. which is like, you know, to keep him from biting yeah. his tongue. And then it took four of these dudes to, you know, once Raymond Chow came, four of these dudes to pick him up and, and bring him to the car. And then they drove him to Baptist Hospital. Uh, and um, he was 120, but still heavy as. I think the problem was that he was, he was. Dead weight. That one, he would be dead weight and then he would start thrashing. Because oh, he was having a seizure. Yeah. So, um, and what's interesting is like, so as Bruce Lee fans, we've all, we've all heard about the May 10th collapse and anyone who, who really has looked into his death at all can't help but realize the May 10th incident and the July 20th incident are, are almost the same. Mm. Maybe without the seizures, all right? Uh, but we don't even know that. Maybe right. with, and most likely without the vomiting as well. But Bruce, but Bruce died of cerebral edema, which is Damn. swelling of the brain. And uh, on May 10th, Bruce Lee had cerebral edema, swelling of the brain. So he had an identical incident on two days, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, what, what's, what I find most fascinating about it is that we have all the details of the May 10th uh, occurrence because you have all these witnesses there, Raymond Chow, the Golden Harvest employees, the doctor, everyone. And then after that, he went and he got checked out. Mm-hmm. We have a lot less details of what exactly happened on July 20th because that stuff happened in the confines of 67 mm. Beacon Hill Road, you know, Betty's place. So we don't know how much leading up to Bruce's death on that day was identical to the May 10th thing. Right. But one thing we do know he died on July 20th of the thing he had on May 10th. I'm sure Raymond Chow had some had to carry some of that weight after Bruce Lee passed because he's seen the May 10th. He was there for both. And he's like, I could have done something back in May 10th. I could have helped him. Well, no, to be fair, Maybe. Raymond Chow kind of did save him on May 10th. I mean, he was the one who came in and brought him to the doctor right away. Right. Um, it was, in my opinion, Betty Ting Pei's dilly dallying and waiting and freaking mm. out and worrying about, oh, what is the, what are the paparazzi going to think and what are they going to think when the hospital, you know, the ambulance comes here or whatever. And then she just waited and waited, freaking out, calling private doctors rather yeah. than calling, um, rather than calling ambulance. It, right? She didn't want that so, to come to light. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not Betty's fault that Bruce Lee had what he had, mm-hmm. but I definitely think. Um, she didn't help by dilly-dallying around and waiting so many hours before mm. uh, finally getting someone over there who could do something, right? Damn so that's mistresses. why we don't, we don't know damn mistresses, damn Taiwanese mistresses. Um, so <laughs> they always, they always, always mess m- stuff up, right? It up. All right. So, you know, of course, so th- that's the basic story. You know, he, he vomited, he had a seizure, he, he went, he saw Dr. Langford. Um, interesting. So what's great about this book is it has mm-hmm. all the interviews with Dr. Langford from like the depositions, which I've read. How? But what he, no, cause that stuff's public record. Okay. But what he does is he puts it in, in a narrative as everything happens in order. So you don't have to like read this thing in the deposition over here and then read this thing over here. You can mm. like see chronologically how everything happens. Cause he takes from all the sources and puts it in order. And that's the great thing about this book is that you can now see all of these bits of information that we knew about Bruce Lee's death as a narrative. This guy is amazing. Yeah, uh, Spanish, what's his name? Uh, Marcos Ocaño Rizzo. All right, so shout out to Marcos Ocaño Rizzo. Awesome, really awesome work. Should get him on the show. 
yeah, maybe we'll have him on the show. It would have been perfect if he just waited two years for the drug letters <laughs> to come out. And then, because I'm curious. Um, Patience. Uh, what, if anything, that would have changed about some of the information Man. in here, right? Uh, but what I like about it is he doesn't put his opinion on the info. That is the great thing about this book. Because everyone... It's all factual. A lot of... Well, it's just the facts as they are factual. available. Yeah. All right? We don't know if everyone who was interviewed was speaking the truth, but he's just putting it there. And he's not saying, ergo... Heat stroke, all right? Mm. Uh, ergo, you know, toxic marijuana shot, whatever. Like, he's not saying, therefore, this is the conclusion. He has absolutely no conclusion in this book. So it's up to you. It's like, here's all the info. I'll let you deal with it, right? <laughs> so, but, but I appreciate that yeah. because uh, really, when it comes to Bruce Lee's death, we know that he died of cerebral edema. We don't know exactly what the, the whole thing about what caused Bruce Lee's death is what caused the cerebral edema. Was it some weird reaction to cannabis? Seems unlikely. Um, was it some side effect of his regular cocaine use? We don't know. Mm. Um, was it something else? Did Bruce Lee have a neurological issue? What was it? Now, interestingly enough, what I like, I just, I've only read like the first bits because uh, there's a book I'm reading very slowly because I'm taking notes, stopping, looking yeah. things up. Reading, taking notes, looking. So, yeah, okay. so so it's not a book that you like burn through. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like a reference book because mm -hmm. it's got lots of, um, you know, references Nuggets. to medical stuff and things like that that you have to look at. But what's really interesting is it has the whole narrative of what happened on May 10th. And that's essentially as far as I've read. And we all knew the basic story of May 10th, the collapse at the dubbing studio, getting rushed to the hospital, he had brain swelling. They gave him mannitol. He left a few days later. He was okay. He went to LA, got checked out. They said he was fine. Mm -hmm. But now that I can actually read in detail what happened on May 10th, May 10th was horrific. I, I, I was reading this going, holy crap. Yeah, wow. cerebral edema is serious. We all knew that he had a serious event there. But when you actually hear the details... Yeah. It's horrific, it Dre. No, it's horrific, yeah. Dre. He he basically would have died on that day, one hundred percent. It was very lucky that he did not die on May tenth. So, um, what? So, so we have you know he he goes back to the studio. He collapses. He vomits. He has a seizure. The sound tech puts the spoon in his mouth. Four dudes, you know, Raymond Chow comes. Four dudes carry him. They get him into the car. Uh, Bruce is still in and out of consciousness. He's having trouble breathing. He stops breathing for periods of time. And um, he's still th kind of like thrashing about. They get him to Baptist Hospital and to see Dr. Langford, who is a doctor that Bruce Lee... So what I didn't realize is I thought Dr. Langford was just the dude at the hospital. <laughs> okay. But he was actually a doctor that Bruce Lee had already seen. Mm. And Dr. Mm. Langford treated Linda and he also treated Brandon. Apparently Brandon, he even said Brandon once got his hand caught in a folding chair and, oh. had to, and saw Dr. Langford. And that was the first time that Dr. Langford wow. met Bruce Lee. And okay. he said he didn't know who Bruce Lee was then. He just said... Um, uh, Brandon's father was a very intelligent and muscular Chinese man, right? And that was like, it was so funny. Like he, he imagined not knowing who Bruce Lee is. Yeah. And it's like, a, like, yeah, he was, because imagine, you know, you remember how Bruce Lee spoke English. He spoke English quite eloquently. He had a mm -hmm. really fantastic vocabulary and, you know, was also obviously someone who thought about things. So he was a very impressive person to speak to. And if you didn't know that this is like Bruce Lee, 
you it, you would be like, wow, this is a very impressive yeah. person. Not okay. like, yeah, no shit, he's a movie star. Like, like <laughs> this guy's famous for a reason. He just didn't know that he was famous, right? And then um, he eventually started te- uh, treating Bruce Lee for, you know, various injuries that Bruce Lee had from, you know, filming his movies and stuff. So he knew Bruce Lee. Wow. And when they uh, bought, uh, when uh, Raymond Chow called Dr. Langford, Dr. Langford was about to leave. His shift was over. It was around 5 p.m. Hmm. And uh, Bruce Lee arrived. And Dr. Langford, of course, was going to stay to treat Bruce Lee. And apparently they seemed to be in between shifts where when Bruce Lee came, uh, there weren't enough doctors on hand. There wasn't like enough people there to help uh, oh, Dr. Langford. Oh, the changeover is crazy. Yeah. Wow. So, th- and, and he said, and this is totally crazy and somewhat infuriating, the four employees from Golden Harvest <laughs> dropped Bruce Lee off at, to Dr. Langford and got the F out of there. Like, we don't want anything to do with this, which I found kind of strange and kind of like, you know, they're, maybe they're worried they're going to be held responsible, even yeah. though they're just the dudes who brought him there. But it, but he basically said he was then suddenly alone with a, a Bruce Lee having a seizure and fits with very little help there. And those guys peaced out. And, uh, you know, and it, it goes through the details of how he was trying to examine Bruce and how Bruce would stop breathing. And then he's using that bag they used to do back in the day to, to yeah. get the breathing going and everything. And he tried to intubate Bruce Lee, like put the, the, the tube in his throat. And he says, uh, Bruce was thrashing about and he was like, they got four other guys in there. Okay. And Bruce was essentially- Holding on limbs. Yeah, but, but Bruce was not uh, uh, conscious. He was thrashing about. And he said they literally couldn't control him. It's right? like uh, Arnold in Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think, look, if, if, you, are, if, you're th- if you are thrashing about, and yeah. it's very difficult to control anyone. It's not because he was Bruce Lee or something like that. <laughs> but it's but Bruce you, Lee thrashing. Yeah, but it's Bruce Lee thrashing, right? And they had to actually tape his legs and arms to the bed. And then... And, Duct tape. Yeah, and, and, and force, the, force the tube down his throat and everything. And, um, and, you know, Bruce was sweating. He had no color. His signs were absolute crap. And um, Dr. Langford more or less was like, he's, he's going to die. He's going to die. Wow. And uh, the problem was he, he knew, Dr. Langford was very smart. He knew this was neurological and he suspected it was specifically cerebral edema. But he was, he's not a specialist in it. So he had to call Dr. Peter Wu, who was a neurosurgeon from mm. another hospital. And get. And Peter Wu came over 45 minutes later. And Peter Wu was in like. In an Uber. He, yeah, in an Uber in 73. <laughs> yeah. Right? Holy and uh, Peter Wu confirmed that it was cerebral edema. They gave him the injection of mannitol. They did all that stuff. And then they had to move wow. Bruce to St. Teresa's Hospital because there weren't any beds at Baptist University Hospital. So, um, but when, but when and, all, and I didn't even do it justice, okay? When you read the narrative of May 10th mm. and Dr. Langford basically in there more or less alone with a dying Bruce Lee who's thrashing about, you go... Holy shit. What like, but then then you also realize like That's people horrific. always talk about like, you know, heroes and it, like what it what it means to be heroic and, and and stuff. And it's like, dude, if you're a doctor that works in a hospital in an emergency room, I mean, come on. Yeah. Who's more of a hero than those people? Who's more of a hero than nurses who yeah. deal with this guy? Because uh, you're reading it and you're going like, 
And he yeah. know, like he he was a professional and he did what he had to do. But if if anyone else is in this situation for whatever reason, like you would be so overwhelmed with fear. Mm-hmm. And like that these guys just yeah. are like, okay, they go and they do it. He calls the neurosurgeon and think this is in time before smartphones. Communication wasn't what you need to call the hospital. The guy needs to be there and yeah. then drive over. It's, it's not like now you just text someone. And it's like, yo, come here right now, right? It's not like that. So, um, yeah. I'm saying there's at least one person that could... Uh count as a hero that's done all sorts of different jobs across his like Johnny Sins. Johnny Sins. Back man. to Johnny Sins. Unbelievable. Who is this Johnny Sins? <laughs> yeah. You ch- Dude, he, he's been a fireman. He's been but a doctor. Is it the blonde guy? Yes. But the but the other thing was that I get uh, it. I get while it. all this stuff was going on, uh-huh. Dr. Langford suspected drugs. Wow. Okay. And then later when he fought, when Bruce because finally. Because he's seen so many cases similar. Yeah. So when, when, um, when Bruce Lee finally came to and he talked to him, Bruce admitted that he had taken cannabis. But we know from the drug letters that Bruce was doing much more than that. So I have with a feeling. I have info. A, yeah. I have a feeling that Bruce was relatively open with his, the things he was doing, but he didn't talk about Who that. Who do you think Bruce told that he was on coke? I don't know. I don't know. Well, certainly Linda knew, but um, because she wrote half the letters. Yeah, well, um, I'm sure there's someone else that knew. No, for sure there were other people that know. He uh, did w- cope w- with people. Yeah, we, mm, we don't know that. No, no, we don't know that. That's speculation. Now, you just stepped over into speculation, speculation territory. Speculation territory. But you can't do that. Yeah, All right? Because now you're, now you're guessing and you're stating it as fact. Check it's this not. out. It's not. Check this out. If I'm a cokehead. Yeah, but still, everything you're saying is if. So you can say, maybe he did, but you cannot say that for sure. Someone offers me Coke, I'm with him all the way. Yeah, yeah but, 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 but that doesn't mean that that happened. Well, like, what, what does anything that just yeah, came probably, out of your mouth have to do with anything that happened probably, in 73? Yeah, Nothing. I, you I see, know, he's but. really ignoring that whole, whole thing about speculation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I literally <laughs> go to speculation. He goes, no, let me come up with some conjecture and speculation. Yeah. So this is exactly the problem of mm-hmm. Bruce Lee's death. Mm. It's the problem of speaking about any controversial topics online yeah. is that people don't, people, there's that limit of, okay, these are the facts. Mm-hmm. This is my I, this is my speculation, and this is just me interpreting the data in a way that seems interesting. Once you step over that line, that's it. Yeah, There's but no the problem is, anytime you have a a public platform like we have the podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. most people who have that they usually step over the line, and mm. then those speculations and judgments based on their interpretation of cherry picking the data is the next thing that becomes clickbait on YouTube, and it's like you got to stop. <laughs> Dr. Man. Langford said he suspected drugs. Damn. Bruce told him he was taking cannabis. He did not mention anything about cocaine. So he was not totally open and honest to his doctor about what was going on. So, but beyond that, you cannot say anything else. Anything else would be speculation. So anyway, that's just us. So I'm just on the May 10th stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are photos in here. They even have photos of like of them taking Bruce's body out of Betty Ting's apartment in the box. Like I'd never even seen those photos before. In the box. Yeah, you know, with it, like, like the, the, you know, I mean, he's covered. You don't see yeah. him, but like they have the photo taking the body out of sixty-seven. They Beacon put him in Road. a box. What kind not of? Not a box, Dre. I mean, like it's not a casket. It's, okay. it's like it's like a thing that he's already dead. They're not going. To, they're not putting him on a stretcher. He's. It's like this in Hong Kong. They have this like almost bamboo case that they put him in to, to bring them out. 
So it's super interesting. Yeah, super interesting. Imagine it like a Christmas hamper, but for a person <laughs> with cerebral edema. <laughs> Why That's Christmas hamper? Yeah, just I like had a hamper. wicker basket, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, basket. yes, exactly. Okay. Like a wicker yeah. basket. Yes, yeah. yes. Just, just so, for airflow. So anyway, so I'm just on that part right now. The book is fascinating. If anyone is wow. interested in it, you can Google... La Muerte de Bruce Lee or The Death of Bruce Lee. It's mm. Marcus Ocaño Rizzo. You can only get it from one place in Spain. And uh, it's um, with shipping and everything. The book's like, a, it's like 70, 80 bucks to mm. the States with okay. shipping. Um, so it, it's definitely, you know, if you're a casual fan, no. But if you're a, a nerd, yes. So, uh, and actually they, they shipped it to me relatively quickly. So I'm only, I mean, obviously I've skimmed through the book a couple times mm -hmm. and I handed it to Arnell the other day. Arnell's a nurse and he was like, oh, he's like reading all the medical <laughs> stuff and he's like, oh, he's like, I was like, oh, yeah. so um, anyway, so I, that's just something I, 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 it wasn't until I read this book, like, of course we knew the May 10th thing was serious and all that kind of stuff. But like when I actually now read the account from Dr. Langford, and then what his background was to Bruce Lee, the waiting, you know, he said Bruce Lee was essentially dead. And um, yeah, then he realized how horrific that whole thing was, you know? And, and, and the word was when, when Bruce did die, he was, his body was all, like he was all curled up, like he had been in a lot of pain. And given what happened on May 10th, you go, oh, yeah, looks like something mm. quite similar. Damn. So, um, so anyway, um, that what? is, a, not the happiest what? way to start this episode. But anyway, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. And for nerds who are into Bruce Lee death stuff, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and get it. It also comes with this awesome little bookmark okay. of the book itself, which is pretty dope. <laughs> so cool. anyway. All right, Dre, so uh, what do you got for me? So what if you could transport back in time for a front row seat into the life and legacy of one of the most respected Wing Chun masters in history? Gong Sao Wong, a tribute. Direct students on Sifu Wong Shonung offers you just that. Through a series of exclusive conversations, 25 direct students share anecdotes, reflections, and personal stories offering in-depth understanding of the man behind the legend. Order your copy today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping. I absolutely love this book, and I think you'll find it an indispensable part of your collection. I can't recommend it enough. Get yours today. Go to Amazon, type in Gong Sao Wong, and there you go. Man, I guess uh, we should get started with a question. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's go. All right, so uh, first off, we got, I'm going to try this name. You know, I'm always good with the names, right? Joseas Vertiz. All right. Okay. Yes. Yes, I think uh, he came on to our live last week. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so I think that's also when he discovered us, because then the next day I found like 80 comments from him with 80 <laughs> questions. Oh, this is, I don't know. This is yeah, this is like maybe one of 80 questions. It's it like, like. Uh, we, we, every um, every Ask Me Anything episode, we mm -hmm. can usually get to, well, depending on the question. Some episodes we've done one or two because they're very meaty questions. And other ones we do like lightning rounds where we get through eight. Yeah. Um, there's no possible way I can well, answer. Well, this is a meaty one. So all, I all of this guy's questions in the next 10 years <laughs> on this podcast. I apologize right? in advance for this meaty, mm -hmm. meaty question. But uh, he says, I have heard that the high kicks that Bruce Lee does in his movies are Taekwondo kicks because in Chinese Kung Fu, they do low kicks. Is it true? And no. if so, did he get these kicks from Ji Hoon Ri or from Jun Chuck Jun Ri? Jun Ri. My bad. Mm -hmm. Ji it is usually your Ji Hoon bad. is it's not someone else. Ji Hoon is from the block. It's I remember always Ji your bad. 
always, always your bad. Always. Would it be, no other way. Would it be my bad if you were the one who mispronounced it? Definitely. You're ultimately responsible. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I'm the one who brought so, you. So, Ri or from Chuck Norris and karate or Tang Sudo. Okay? Tang mm-hmm. Sudo. Mm-hmm. Right? I saw a screen test, I think, is before Green Hornet where Bruce Lee answers questions and explains some kung fu and Chinese opera, and I think he does a high kick. So here, did he already learn the high kick from Chuck or TKD? Or does kung fu have high kicks? Also, by this time, did he already develop JKD? And does JKD have high kicks or are the kicks in his movies just for screen, because they look good. These are like, but not these are for like JKD six training. questions in one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's, he's, it's he's not that one guy. meaty question. These are many, 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 many questions. <laughs> many right? many the, slabs uh, of meat. This is the Brazilian um, steakhouse equivalent <laughs> yes. of questions. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the Brazilian steakhouse, you have the green coaster. They keep bringing you the meat. When you get yeah. too full, you turn it red. Halfway through, I wanted to turn it to red because we got to stop. All There's right, more. no, I can't. So, because they look good but not for JKD training. Plus, I also heard some of the throws he did in some movies were Aikido. What do you think? That's the question. Oh, this is, this what is, do you this, think? This, this, the so this, is the whole ne- this is the whole episode right here, okay? This is, this is not, this is not uh, one question of five <laughs> questions today, okay? All right, so let, can, can, you, can you backtrack? Because it's been, it's been a year oh, since I, I remember just the, literally fir- scrolled the away very from first that. question. All right, uh-huh. the very first part. So let's do it step by step. Give me the first part. Okay, the first part of the question. I have heard that the high kicks that Bruce Lee does in his movies are Taekwondo kicks because in Chinese Kung Fu, they do low kicks. Okay, stop. Is it true? Stop. All right. It's not true. Okay. So um, the, first of all, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit salty with you, Dre. Do you know why I'm salty with when you? When have you never Yeah. Do you know why I'm salty with you? Which, for, all right. for what reason this time? Because first of all, I've answered this question at least nine times different, on this podcast. Different, different ways. ways. Like you, you're sitting there and you're, you're looking at me like, I, like you're waiting to see the answer as if I haven't already told you this answer nine times, okay? In his all defense, right. he doesn't remember ever asking you that question. <laughs> this is, this is, this is always my defense. Okay. So... Um, that's my story. I'm sticking <clears throat> there, with it. There are like there are common tropes about martial arts, which are generally accepted by people who are not, in my opinion, very deep into the martial arts. Uh, Kung Fu only has this. Taekwondo has this. Judo has this. As if these type of things, as if throwing, as mm-hmm. if, for example, uh, Judo or Aikido are the only martial arts that have throwing. As if Taekwondo are the only mar- is the only martial art that has high kicks, right? Mm-hmm. All of Kung Fu only has low kicks, right? The, the, the problem is these all-encompassing general statements about what martial arts have or don't have are by definition false, okay? Because um, martial arts are an expression. They're a human endeavor. And humans are always innovative and humans change things and do things according to their own ways, their own likings. Mm-hmm. So uh, even if you had some weird style that only had low kicks, all right, there would be one Sifu somewhere in some generation who would like to throw some kicks a little higher because he could or because he liked it. And then so is he not allowed to throw kicks because that's his style? Like, the, 
no one is bound by their styles, even people who claim to be super traditional and super orthodox. We're human beings. So we need to get out of this dichotomous thinking, mm-hmm. black and white thinking. All kung, kung fu has low kicks. All taekwondo has high kicks. I, this throw is Aikido. This, this is this. And then conflating that with what Bruce Lee did in his movies, with what Bruce Lee did, and, and just toss that all into one big salad bowl, mix it, and then go, so can you explain that? Okay, because it's like all the ingredients are all mixed. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. So first of all, Kung Fu is not a style. Got it. Okay, hate to break it to you. All right. Kung Fu is actually a colloquial nickname used mostly in southern China, but now it's been accepted all over China Mm. to mean martial arts. But the term itself does not, in fact, mean martial arts. It means your achievement through effort and practice. Okay, so you could have a high level of Kung Fu in anything you put time in. You could be uh, the world's best pizza chef and you would have a high level of bullshit. You have a high level of Kung Fu in bullshitting. Okay, (laughs) someone could have a high level of Kung Fu in pizza making. All right. A a high level Brazilian jiu jitsu expert could have a high level of Kung Fu in Brazilian jiu jitsu. Mm. All right. So the term itself is a bit of a non-starter. It is colloquially become synonymous with Chinese martial arts, but it actually doesn't mean it. Martial arts in Chinese are mousut in Cantonese, wushu in Mandarin. Um, and then, you know, and then there are other names for it as well. All right, mm-hmm. kun fat, fist method, or simply kun or pai, like family or sect or something like that. Um, the, the, this idea that there's this rubric called Kung Fu and everyone under that rubric follows a set of rules is absurd, all right? Uh, first of all, even within Kung Fu, you have older styles, more modern styles. You have Northern, you have Southern, you have internal, you have external. Now, I personally have some issues with all of these distinctions. I think some of them don't really exist in reality. And sometimes I think they are um, differences without a distinction. Uh, So, um, but having said that, there's a large variety of styles under what's called Kung Fu. Okay. If you look at my good friend Sifu Brian Cuddle perform Choi Lei Fat, and then you look at me perform the Buji form, mm-hmm. uh, he per- could perform this, you know, some whatever his best form is in Choi Lei Fat, and I perform Buji. You can't say, oh, see, obviously it's all just Kung Fu. Yeah, you would say that you would know both of those are Kung Fu stylists, but you would, you would not say this is the same style. No. Right, and you would see his moves and his kicks and my moves and the way I, I, how I do it and you go, yeah, there's something different here. So we have to get out of this idea that there's a category called Kung Fu, which is a style, all right? That's already the first problem. Northern styles have tons of high kicks, all right? Tra- uh, wushu, both modern and, and uh, uh, traditional, have all sorts of crazy kicks, all right? Crazy. Um, and even some Southern styles will occasionally throw an errant high kick. So this idea that like Bruce Lee would have come to the U.S. from Hong Kong at age 18, having had fights with um, you know other martial artists, having practiced Wing Chun for a few years, and would never have seen a high kick because he came from China, and <laughs> okay. they just have never even seen something there is the most patently absurd thing I've ever heard, right? Not to mention that there are lots of early photos of Bruce Lee, both in Seattle and uh, in Oakland and in his early demonstrations, throwing up high kicks. All right. So this idea that Bruce was like, didn't know you can kick above the waist until he met Chuck effing Norris or (laughs) June Ree is is 
the is it's weird and and um I don't think any proper Bruce Lee fan believes that mm-hmm. but there is an undercurrent of that being kind of almost like accepted lore um Bruce didn't know anything about kicking high until he met Jun Ri and it's like wh- where did you come with that there's literally video footage of Bruce Lee busting out spinning high kicks all right at at uh, I think the very first Ed Parker tournament that he went to right and let's also not forget that shortly before Bruce Lee came to the States, he took some lessons from Sifu Xiuhon Sang, who was a, from the Jingwu Academy, and he taught Bruce Lee some of those yeah. fancy Kung Fu styles. So when you see that screen test that he talks about, <clears throat> where he goes, you know, this is a crane form, right, and does all that stuff, that's the stuff he learned from Xiuhon Sang. Uh, sorry, um, you know, uh, the Fuk Young people who think that Fuk Young was the one who taught Bruce Lee all that stuff. Oh. Uh, no, it was Xiuhon Sang, Ooh. sorry. Um, and so... Bruce already knew that stuff, even if he just knew it for show, okay? He already knew high kicks, the photos of Bruce Lee doing high kicks, and Bruce was always working on his flexibility, even in those early, quote-unquote, black and white days, all right? And later, he met Jun Ri, who's kind of the father of Taekwondo, at least the father of Taekwondo in America, although I'm sure they're, you know... If, if Taekwondo is anything like Wing Chun and karate and any mm-hmm. other martial art, I'm sure that there are 80 fathers of American Taekwondo, all right? So I don't <laughs> want to ruffle any Taekwondo people's Uh-oh. feathers. I'm sure there are tons of old Korean gentlemen who claim to be the father of Taekwondo. So I, like, I'm not going to get in that. If you guys want to fight about who the real father of American Taekwondo is, uh, do it on a Taekwondo page, okay? Um, don't do it on my page. I will not read it. Um, so uh, Jun Ri was a good friend of Bruce Lee's, and Bruce um, did uh, exchange some ideas with him, and Jun Ri showed him some stuff about uh, even h- how they broke the boards in Taekwondo and how they did the kicks, and he said Bruce picked up that stuff very, very quickly. But to think that Bruce did not know how to kick high or never saw a high kick or never did a high kick until he met Jun Ri is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then to think that uh, then later it was then Chuck Norris who told me he, he dealt with Chuck Norris even later. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what, like he, he, Bruce is not throwing high kicks until the late sixties. Those, those kicks that he was famous for in enter the dragon, he learned those what three years before. <laughs> all right. Get out of here. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so again, this idea saying that all Kung Fu has X or Y doesn't make any sense because there are hundreds of established Kung Fu styles all quite different from each other. And of each of those hundreds of styles, they all have subdivisions and substyles and sublineages and variations, right? So you, can, there's no, you cannot throw everything under some rubric of Kung Fu and make general statements other than it comes from a country called China. That's about the only general statement you can make about Kung Fu, okay. all right? But to say that all Kung Fu has low kicks, Wing Chun uses low kicks. If he had said... Bruce came from Wing Chun, which you doesn't kick above the waist. Then that first statement would have made more sense. But to say Kung Fu, no. Okay, that's crazy. That's like saying uh, you know, sports don't use oblong uh, thr- balls for throwing. And you're like, what about football? Okay. Right? You cannot make a statement like that, right? <laughs> so even though most sports use a round ball for, for play, but yet there are other shapes too, right? So again, like the speculation generalizations are also a very big problem in conversation. This is exactly why Dre picked this question, because he found a kindred spirit. He found a kindred spirit. Of speculation. Speculation. Oh my That's God, I just need. spilled coffee all over myself. Listen you to me. You did not <laughs> pull a Dre. 
Might oh, pulled yeah. Dray. I pulled a uh, little bit. Pulled uh, well, it's a small dray, like, compared to it's you. It's a small dray. <laughs> <laughs> Every time from now on when I spill something, I'm yeah. going to look at it and say, it's a small dray. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a small okay, dray. Okay, so that was the first part. First of yeah, all, it was like, that's... okay, so now what was the second question in there? You have if a chance so. to do a quick lightning round here as well, by the way, because you, you've answered probably all of this at some Yeah, point. well, that's so why if, if, I, if, if I've already, if my answer was already said, I'll just say it. But I, wanna, I don't want to feel, I don't want him to feel that I glossed over his question. That is absolutely fair too. All right, go ahead. What's the next part? Or does he, okay, let me just, I had to skip ahead because you already answered most of that. And so here, did he already learn high kick from Chuck or TKD? Or does Kung Fu have high kicks? Also, by this time, did he already develop JKD? Okay, but those are totally different questions. Okay, so yeah. so yes, all right. He learned some high kicking and fancy kicking from Su Hon San in Hong Kong, as I said. Uh, Bruce was also a martial artist who regularly uh, bought books on other styles. When he was in Seattle, he would regularly travel to Vancouver which had a very big Chinese population, and he would buy Chinese. He had all these Chinese books with Wuxia. He, he had photos and books of people doing high kicks, and he would practice his stuff all the time. Remember that before Bruce Lee decided to create Jeet Kune Do, perhaps after his fight with Wong Jack Man, mm -hmm. Bruce had a different aim in mind. He wanted to create the ultimate Kung Fu style. That was like his first goal. So he obviously wanted to take his Wing Chun base and then see if he could improve it by looking at what the other Kung Fu styles were. And it wouldn't be until a little bit later that he would say, well, I think there, there's some problems with Chinese Kung Fu as it's taught and as it's practiced. And maybe the answer doesn't have to be contained just within the Chinese styles, right? Okay. So he, there was a, in the very early period, he was trying to essentially, uh, when you look at his notes from that time, it looked like he was trying to create the ultimate Kung Fu style, almost like an eclectic mix of the best of Chinese Kung Fu, right? Wow. Think about it, he was young, still very proud to be Chinese, and then later, perhaps because of his exposure to Western education and other things, he decided, well, maybe he can also look at things like boxing and fencing and other things like that, right? So, um, so yeah, that, that's essentially my answer to that. So what's the next very part? Very cool, very cool. Uh, okay, and or and does JKD have high kicks? Okay, or so, are they so the uh, kicks in his movies? <clears throat> so I'm not share uh, for screen. Okay, I'm not the um I'm not the expert to speak on what JKD has or JKD doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when we're talking about what Bruce Lee did. Okay? I'm not either. Yeah, because if you uh if you know if we go into the whole concepts versus original JKD, well, con JKD concepts can have anything as long as it follows the concept. So mm -hmm. I, you could do a double jump spinning back kick in JKD concepts if you can rationalize it according to the theory, I suppose. I'm being a little sarcastic there. JKD concepts people, have a coffee and chill. Well, okay, he, all right. Did that. I'm not actually saying you're gonna do that, all right? right. So, um, but there are photos of Bruce Lee, you know, with Ted Wong when he was demonstrating his JKD, where he does throw a hook kick or roundhouse kick to the head. So he does have those kind of kicks, but you know, it seems that when he really got down to it, it was that it was a straight lead sidekick to the knee, mm. you know, and, and some other similar kicks as well that, you know. Uh, Reminds me of John Paul, Jones, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking of John Jones yeah, right now. And he's fighting right tonight. Now, he's, he's fighting, fighting tonight. tonight. Yeah. Which, of course, when this podcast comes out, yeah. it's going to be like a week later. <laughs> we're going to find, you know, he either oh. not, knocked out Cyril Gunn or got knocked either out he, by Cyril Gunn, right? Either he beat some ass or he got that ass. Yeah, beat. it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, but, 
Yeah, but you're right. John Jones definitely mm. has, in my opinion, a very similar kicking repertoire. I'm not going to say his execution is like Bruce Lee's, okay. but uh, but his his ideas of kicking and using the the, the front lead and that is is really yeah. quite quite good. His execution of cocaine is like Bruce Lee's, though. <laughs> oh, well, we don't know that. <laughs> the speculation. Actually, sorry, I just the did a tray. The speculation. Yeah, that was speculation. That was total total speculation. And I, right? I spectated that. Yes, spectated. for the purposes of a joke, Trey. Right. For the purposes of a joke. Right, right, right. So yeah, so, so, um, but one time, bald. but one time, uh, Paul Vunak, who's a very famous Jeet Kundo instructor, mm -hmm. in one of his like old school instructional videos, which I had when I was a teenager, he talked about what he called like functional or real JKD and then theatrical JKD. Wow. So, um, you know, things that either like Bruce Lee would do in movies, okay. but those aren't necessarily the things he would do in fighting, or maybe even things a Jeet Kune Do practitioner might do in a demonstration that they might not necessarily do in wow. a real fight. Now, the thing is in WT, in our Wing Chun lineage, yeah. we also have that stuff too. You know, in, in, you know, we haven't done demonstrations in many years, you know, now with like social media, it's a little different. You make videos now. In the old days, you, you went out on the street like a beggar at some Asian festival and did your know, martial show. arts to put on a show. Yeah. Right? We don't, no one does that anymore, right? Um, Didn't we do that last week? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are some things in Wing Chun, uh, in WT, that uh, we have, like, you know, where you do a double lap cell on, on the inside, and then you kick your partner, in, like, right up on the chin, mm. you know, or, like, certain ways of, like, more theatrical ways of doing throws and stuff. That's theatrical Wing Chun for demonstration, mm -hmm. you know, or, like, on that rolling log, which is kind of, like, on those... Um, uh, what, what, what the the rollers, the foam rollers, you know, okay. back in the days we used to do them on like hardwood ones, those rollers, you would stand on it and do chi sao with someone. And then, so it's like this test of balance, right? Like, so that, that's all like theatrical I've stuff. This. Yeah, I've never showed you that. No. Yeah, we, maybe we do that later. Yeah, okay. um, and, but that's, that's, you could categorize that as theatrical Wing Chun. Now, someone could look at that and go, like, you never grab someone's arms and then kick them so high in a real fight, all right? And the moment someone says, Ooh, in a you do that? the moment someone says, in a real fight, they've <laughs> never been in a real fight, okay? <laughs> um, because if, if, if you understand the difference between show and real, well, you can do show every now and again, and it doesn't like go like, oh, I can't do something that's fancy or not functional because uh, because then people are going to think I don't know what real fighting is. Like, Calm down, buddy. Calm down. Life is Damn. too short. You want to do something for fun, for show every now and again? Fine. Damn. All right. It doesn't. If you understand the difference between real fighting and show and you opt to do something in a showmanship kind of way. What's the harm, right? People get so bent out of shape. So, so that is my answer to that part. What's the next part? Oh, man, goodness. <laughs> There's more, that's right. I know. Uh, and does it I spent a year here one screen. afternoon. And plus, I also heard some of the throws he did in some movies were Aikido. Okay. What do you think? So uh, with, with the exception of some of his, uh, the trips that I saw him do in Way of the Dragon, which are just very standard. Mm -hmm. You know, in Wing Chun, we have the soka, the basic simple sweep it's trip Wing kind Chun. of thing, right? Yeah, you have that in Wing Chun, but most martial arts have some kind of simple outside trip sweep, all right? Yeah. That's not like the domain of it's only Wing Chun, right? very practical in a yeah, sense. Or, or yeah, or like a simple, a sometimes an outside trip, right? So he does a couple of those, I think, in Way of the Dragon and some of his other movies. I wouldn't say that's necessarily Aikido. I would say that is either from his Wing Chun training or you can almost call that pan martial arts mm -hmm. it's, it's like something that a lot of martial arts have it's almost in, generic in the year i've studied aikido i've never seen anything like that 
in, in but but in there were class. there were a couple things like in in way uh, in uh, Fists of Fury mm-hmm. where he kind of does some like simple tosses where the people kind of go. Fly. That's theatrical. I, I I don't understand the whole thing with. Con- oh, it looks like, great on camera. Yeah, but who who's conflating what Bruce Lee does when he's fighting twenty extras in Fists of Fury with his actual Jeet Kune Do? Like when you look at Bruce Lee's notes and when you look at how he discussed what Jeet Kune Do is and you look at what people like Dan Inosanto or Ted Wong, you look at like legit Max, Jeet Kune Do people Grand do, Grandmaster right? Baxter. Grandmaster Baxter. Who then looks at Fists of Fury and then goes, oh, this is also uh, uh, what Bruce Lee did in Jeet Kune Do. It's like, no, dude, that's movie choreography. Bruce was the first one to admit it. And anyone who thinks knows that that's just choreography, right? Yes, there are a couple times when Bruce does some Wing Chun on Bob Baker in Fists of Fury, on Chuck <laughs> Norris in Way of the Dragon, uh, at the against Bob Wall in Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if you cut those three bits out, he almost does no Wing Chun in any of his movies. Yeah, a couple stop kicks here and there, whatever, fine. But it's all theatrical. Mm. Big old John Wayne punches and yeah. spinning kicks and stuff like that. That's not his Jeet Kune Do, and that's not Wing Chun. And no one ever claimed it was. So I, I, I always think it's weird when people look at what Bruce did in the movies from the default position of that being his art of Jeet Kune Do. And you okay. go... Uh, dude, this isn't the 70s, 80s anymore. We have a lot more, like, n- no one actually believes that, right? So, uh, no, that that uh, Bruce, a couple times, I think he just grabs someone's head and the guy goes flying, right? Yeah, I think Bruce Lee would have been the first person to tell you that that wouldn't work in a real fight. All right? Uh, is there anything else appended to that I think that, that was his, that was it. That's the end of that question. Finally. What do you think? I need a cigarette. How would you like to go to Hong Kong with the Kung Fu Genius from August 21st to the 27th, 2023. Experience Hong Kong like no one else. Take the ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu tour with live commentary from yours truly, the Kung Fu genius. Visit hot tourist spots as well as off the beaten path locations, perfect for Wing Chun and martial art enthusiasts. If you ever wanted to go to Hong Kong to see Wing Chun sites, movie stuff, and of course experience this amazing city, here's your perfect opportunity. Packages include seven days of seeing the sites with me as your guide, and for those who want some training, a Wing Chun seminar with me and with Sivu Mak Chi Kong is part of one of the offers. The packages include the best insider tour of Hong Kong you can possibly get. To reserve your spot, click on the link in the description of this episode for all the information you need and for booking. Spots are running out fast, so get yours today. Once I reach the cap, I will close the registration, so don't wait. Again, click that link in the description to get booked for the 2023 Ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu Tour. And I'll see you in Hong Kong. Okay, what's the next question? Next question we have, Dreisen. No. <laughs> no. You come back, you just thought what you just like come back after all this time, like just like nothing's happening and it's just like... Okay. He didn't even scroll though. He's just pointing it's on the camera. He's yeah. scrolling. That's literally on the camera. Um, Dreisen is asking a question. No, he's not. And he's, he's not asking... Answer. Who is your favorite Bob? Bob Wall, Bob Baker, or Bob Villa? Bob the Builder. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, of I the, don't of think the, any of those them, of those three Bobs. Yeah, uh, Bob Baker. Uh, in order, yeah. Yeah, the Brucey's drug dealer and grand student in Jeet Kune Do. Okay. Uh, Bob Wall, uh, the late Bob Wall. So Bob Villa is not 
above uh, Bob no, Wall. I would say Bob Vila out of that list would be my favorite one, right? If not, if not for Bob Baker, Bruce Lee wouldn't have developed an unfortunate drug habit. Or I should say, I shouldn't say that. That's speculation. Bru- that's speculation. Speculation. Bruce Bruce, 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 Bruce wouldn't have been so it, it wouldn't have been as easy for him to get those drugs. Let's Ooh. just say at that time, it Ooh. wouldn't have been as it wouldn't have been facilitated as easily as easily because it was not easy to get in Hong Kong. That's why he had to get it from the states. Mm. So and then you know. Bob Baker was that guy. So without Bob Baker, without Bob Baker, I feel okay. Yeah, but I'm telling you, it, I'm telling you, it is. I'm admit, I'm not saying it's fact. I am okay. telling you, it's speculation. Okay. All right. Uh, I I feel that Bruce Lee would have lived longer had it not been for Bob Baker. Okay. So Bob Baker, not my favorite Bob. <laughs> Bob, Bob Wall. All right. Bob Wall. This is actually not a bad Dryson question. All right. <laughs> shout out to Dryson. Yeah. Shout out. Shocker. Uh, Shocker. Shocker. Uh, Bob, uh, Bob uh, Wall. Uh, Bob Wall had his moments where he would be really cool and say very okay. interesting things. And every once in a while, Bob Wall would bullshit and say stuff like he knocked out Sam What's Hung your and stuff like that. Favorite Bob Wall role? Because he's My- been in countless. Movies. Um, my favorite Bob Wall. Well, that's because he always just kind of plays a yeah, wooden the asshole same dude, who gets right? his ass the kicked. Same right? asshole. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, obviously, like Enter the Dragon. I think is the most interesting because uh, Bob Wall in Way the Dragon. There's not really a whole. He's just like mm. he's just Chuck Norris's student, and he just kind of gets his ass kicked. Yeah, they, he so didn't there's really not, do there's, much. Th- there's nothing about his character yeah, besides yeah, he's, was, a guy, he's a white guy yeah. who does karate. Yeah. But at least in Enter the Dragon, no he bruises was, or anything. Yeah, at least in Enter the Dragon, he was Han's bodyguard. Yeah. He had the scar that he got when he killed Bruce Lee's sister oh. from from oh. from the old man and stuff like that. So my, th- my, I think that's the only that's the only time that Bob Wall's character had even like a backstory or any depth. Okay, so it's probably the most interesting one. But um, I kind of like him a little bit in Game of Death. Uh, even wow. though it's not really a Bruce Lee movie because, you know, he's like, uh, you know, he's Carl Miller, the kickboxing guy. <laughs> and then, you know, and then after In the he locker win- room scene, yeah, after he wins the match, he's, <laughs> so he, he meets that blonde girl. He goes, this is my new girlfriend. Take lots of pictures of her. And then he goes there. Right. It's like you know, it's kind of silly. That's right? Funny one. Yeah. Like boards don't hit back. Maybe it should have been Bob's don't hit back. Bob's don't, don't hit, hit back. back. All right. So I would have to say out of that list. I think Bob Villa has I the think, most boards. I think Bob Villa is the best out of all that. Out because, of all, no. Because, you know what if you ask me which one would i'd rather meet right now wow uh like i would say bob via because we need to finish building <laughs> that 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 curtain up here right so i i would actually want to consult bob via on a yeah. bunch of things on fixing the school right okay screw those other i Bobs. think bob wall would be able to find the studs in these walls because i think bob wall would come in here and he would yeah. try to sell you his, <laughs> his yellow gi that he wore in enter the dragon okay. for the 15th time do you know how many times bob wall sold the uniform that he wore in enter the dragon to some unsuspecting rube that's that's All speculation right? no 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 it's true and he actually and, and he did go to jail i think for tax evasion yeah so the bob wall was a bit of a shady criminal yeah and, think, and and people people who knew him that don't 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 really have the best uh he sure uh, was 15 though 15 what geese at, at least <laughs> at least all right i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna it. i'm not gonna tell you who but there was a famous bruce lee biographer who came to me who had interviewed bob wall multiple times and, and he, he was bought like, one of those no and he was saying like i <laughs> He was saying, like, you don't even want to know how many times Bob Wall sold his oh, uniform wow. that he wore in Enter the Dragon, all right? Wow. So it looks that like he just went stuff. to, like, a karate supplier, yeah. got a yellow gi, and then just had a bunch of those patches put on there, and then he would just keep selling those things. Wow, what a, <laughs> what a scam. What a scam. 
Yeah. And you know the most insulting and you know the most insulting thing is he probably still had the original one the whole yeah, time. The whole time. The whole oh so, my God. so he would have to go to like Century Martial Arts, mm. buy a yellow karate gi, put the patch on, wash the thing a bunch of times yeah. to fade it out, right? Get some yeah, dirt wa- wa- going wa- wash on. Wash it and put like a bunch of rocks in the washing machine to beat it up yeah. and then like and then sell that wow. thing, right? So anyway, shout out to the late Bob Damn. Wall. All right, so what's next? Oh man. All right, let me let me scroll. <laughs> No, you already did this before. Yeah. You did this. Next up, we got Axel Stone. Axel Stone in the house. Coolest actual name. real the... person for a change. Yeah, no, but that's a yeah, cool name. actual real person for a change. He, he should be an MMA fighter with he that should. name. <laughs> I know. Because in that, this corner, yeah. Axel Stone. I mean, that's the name. It would be that's Axel. That's the name I'll pick. Feet of Stone. Wait, is that actually a good? No, you don't want Feet of Stone. That's not good. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking of Roberto Duran, Hands of Stone, right? And then I'm like, oh, Marshall, Feet of Wait, wait, no, you don't want Feet of Stone as a Marshall. Then your feet don't move anywhere, right? Okay, maybe that's not the coolest name, all right? Yeah. Head of Stone. No. Okay, so. Body of Stone. I don't know. Axel Stone. Thanks for making these available for us. None. I guess he's saying no, no non-Patreon subscribers, Alex. Oh. Question, how many students do you have at City Wing Chun? I don't know. No idea. You have no clue? No. If, uh, if, when people if you are, had to guess. No. When people are new to, like, people don't know martial arts business, mm-hmm. they always go, oh, how many students you have? <laughs> All right? Because, uh, but, but no, no martial arts school actually measures their metric that way. I mean, you measure it internally, like how many students do you have? Because every month you have attrition, some students move or quit or whatever, and you got to make sure, you know, you kind of keep it steady, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the metric, because what if, um, what if one school had 20 students, okay? But each of those students paid $400 a month. And the other school has 50, but they're charging them $50 a month. Mm. So the problem is like, it it doesn't give you any metric of the health of a school. Plus, I know schools, uh, for example, I had a seeing in Germany who had a huge school, but uh, he had like a few hundred students. But I mean, not actually, actually way more than that. He like would have like 500 students. All right. Um, but he would lose like 200 a month and he would have to get 200 more. So, and that, that went on for like two years. And that then- That is a lot. Yeah, and I was thinking like, uh, I, first of all, I, I, would, I would retire- 40%? With, I would retire with that many students. <laughs> and, you would, and, and then you also have to go, well, what a, why are you losing 200 students a month? And then you have to replenish those every month. That's a lot of work. If you keep your attrition rate below 5%, yeah. meaning like if you have 100 students, about five leave every month for whatever reason. Mm. But if you can keep that to 2 or 3%, then you only need to enroll three students a month. Yeah. You don't need to enroll 200 <laughs> students a month to keep the, to keep the thing running, right? So the, 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 metric, the metric's a little weird, right? Also, I don't, I don't manage the school anymore. All oh, right. So I, I don't know. And it, it wouldn't matter. It mm-hmm. wouldn't matter if it did. Um, also, the thing with, uh, we, I did release one Patreon-only episode here on YouTube yeah, for people to see, but that's only one. Uh, I, and I did that because we were shooting the lives. We didn't have a regular episode, so I did it as, a, as, as something for my fans, but um, it, it was two weeks after I had already released it on Patreon. That's the only time I'm going to do that. If you want to see those videos, bro, $5 on Patreon. Okay, all right, what's next? All right, next up, we got Vincent Lai. Awesome. Almost Vincent Lin. I know. Right? 
almost like my good friend Vincent Lin. Oh, my head up. Yeah, right? Fucked, you thought he had like forgot to put it in there, right? <laughs> I was like, yo, what's up? With, yeah. All right, what's up? What's the question? Uh, what's up? Nothing much. That's what that's his question. That's what's, what's up. up? Nothing much. Oh, that's it. That's the question. Yo, we're we're chilling. All right, next. <laughs> I, I feel you didn't give that question enough of an explanation. To I be think honest. this I should like you be more. Should, over. Should, yeah. I, should I break it down like we did the other one? I think you should. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. let's talk about the etymology of what's up <laughs> and the various forms. I mean, that question is a thousand answers in one. Yeah, but it's also saying things like, you good? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, depending on the situation, depending on how you say that, can mean a lot of things, right? We good? Remember that commercial? Oh, you had to, though. Jesus, don't start, don't start. Don't start, don't Don't start. Let's go. No earworms, please. Let's go. All right, Kung Fu Janitor. I love Kung Fu Janitors. He has more of a comment. Great. 80s Bruce Lee. What's Which it in I all love. caps? I love, yes, all caps and a four comment. exclamation marks. A comment of that, of, of that magnitude yep. can only be said in all caps. That's right. With multiple exclamation points. That's right. 80s Bruce Lee. I'm all for it. We talked about that a long time ago. I love talking about imagine 80s Bruce, Bruce Lee. Imagine Bruce Lee wearing like a, oh, like a, like a beaded jacket. Just imagine Bruce Lee in, uh, as a villain in either one of the ninja movies or... Van Damme movie. No, you know, you know, for me, come wh- on. Wh- when you see when you see Bruce Lee's athleticism and you yeah. see Bruce Lee's ability, like that one clip from Enter the Dragon where he did those couple cha cha steps there, like that. <laughs> can, True. No, man. Can you just imagine a music video with Bruce Lee and Michael Jackson, the oh, two yeah. of them? No, that's like, where your brain goes. Yeah, that's where my brain goes. See, now, see, that's my, where my brain goes. I was thinking, I, I want him to be a CI in Miami Vice. With the shirts? Yeah, with the shirts. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. No, because by that Seeing point... Seeing them in, you know, in a... At that point, his career On a boat? On a, get, on yeah. A speedboat? Dude, like, he's, he's, he's a little... Why is he, like, speedboat? Like, speed is it boat, Bruce Lee on a speedboat? With his hair kind of blowing? Absurd thing. His hair blowing? Yeah. With, his, with the collar blowing? Yeah. Yeah. No, but can you imagine, like, uh, Bruce Lee in the Beat It video? I can when see when they're that. having like that thing there, and like he I can comes see in, that. like as he, as the bad guy. Yeah, you know it'd be cool, Bruce Lee, as Terminator Two villain. Oh, oh that guy, the, oh, the villain the of Terminator one. Two. Oh, yes, so as Robert Patrick. Yes, yeah. that's Bruce Lee. You know it's crazy. The the um the Terminator, I believe, is Genesis. The guy because there was a revamp of that. And the guy was kind of Asian in that movie. The the guy that played. There are only that two character. Terminator films: Terminator know, One and Terminator Two. I know. All the other Terminator <laughs> films do not exist. They, do. they make no sense. They destroy the I lore. They are god awful. There is only that. Terminator One and Terminator Two. There are no other Terminator films. Thank you. All right. Next question. One hundred percent agree. Bruce Lee next, question. Be dope next question. As, as that next villain. question. Next question. Weird. That's it? That's Come it for in. 80s Bruce Lee? See what they did to the damn Terminator and those other... Stop. Stop. No, so no, no, salvation. Stop. One of the forget worst things that. ever. Jesus Christ. Don't even get me started. This is a kung fu podcast. Don't even get me started about what they did to Terminator. Let's go. Let's go. Bruce Lee in a Prince Let's video. Let's go. 
Prince video. Stop trying to bring or, it back. You already ruined I know. it. You already ruined it. You already Bruce ruined Lee. it. Drake, no. next question. You ruined it. Drake, we have about 10 minutes left. Let's go. Let's oh. keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Jesus yeah. Christ. Now All I'm right. reminded why I don't do these. Lin- <laughs> Linuxva. Or Linuxva. All right. Linuxva. Okay. <laughs> these are great. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not well, a question. He's not even saying anything. This is not laughing. a question. This is a Drake, comment. Can you please give me a question? Ed O'Neill. Al Bundy. AKA Al Bundy. Yes. Is a black belt in Hawaiian Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. Actually, cool. actually, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a bit of a martial arts snob here. Okay. I don't think Ed O'Neill would want you to say he was a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Forget the Hawaiian nonsense. <laughs> because he learned at the Gracie Academy, he would say he's a black belt in Gracie jiu-jitsu. All right. Okay. All right. Next question. First of all, I didn't even know Ed O'Neill did jiu-jitsu. Oh, Dude, he's a black belt. He's a very early student of Horian Gracie. Way back in the day. You knew that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Way back in way the day. Back. Yeah. There, there, there was a meme because, you know, Keanu Reeves started taking jiu-jitsu with the John Wick stuff. Maybe uh, Keanu Reeves is like a blue belt. And then there was like a meme that says, I bet you didn't know Ed O'Neill could kick John Wick's ass. Beat <laughs> <laughs> that ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, cuts. serious. Yeah. Shout out to this Ed O'Neill, news. man. No, shout yeah. out to Ed O'Neill. Yeah, absolutely. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100%. Al Bundy is black belt in Gracie jiu-jitsu. So man. when... Uh, which one did uh, Three's Company? Uh, ja- uh, John Ritter. Yeah. John Ritter was Three's Company. Yeah. You think Married John. with Children was... Married with Children so was Ed O'Neill. Did Ed O'Neill train with him? What? What, what, are you, what? what are you talking about? There's never been... John Ritter never did martial Not arts. Not John anymore. Ritter. I'm talking about Ed O'Neill training with... Your man that was on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Hori. Yeah, yeah. What he's talking about? Hori and Gracie when Mm -hmm. he first came to LA. Had had a little bit role in a Three's Company episode where he just walked in. He was like the hunky date of Chrissy or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's Hori and Gracie. Yeah, and that's the. He's the guy who put together the UFC. He's the guy who basically brought the Gracie name to the states. Yeah. And he's the guy who also created a lot of division between the other Gracies because he tried to trademark the Gracie name and tell other Gracies they couldn't use it even though it was their name and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, families. Yeah, families, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, go for it. Okay. Uh, Next question is admit. All right. This is not a question. This is a comment. Jesus, will you give me a question, Dre? Oh, no, I'm quite liking these comments towards the end. It's kind of cool. Oh. The pronunciation <laughs> of my IG handle was spot on. In fact, way better than what some of my countrymen say. I wonder what he means by that. What are you looking at me Thank for? you for picking my cue. Saral Amit. Awesome. I don't know when we did that, though. And on in what? In this episode. Uh, in this episode right now that we're recording? The one that we're recording yes. right now. <laughs> No, the, the, the Patreon, one the Patreon one. All right, okay. All right. You're welcome. Let's yes. keep it moving. You're welcome, more than welcome. Hi, KFG and team. If this oh, isn't a question, okay. I'm going to face kick you <laughs> with my kung fu high kick, okay. which doesn't exist. All right, well, let, let me scroll. <laughs> <laughs> let me scroll real quick. Uh, do you know something about Chao Se-chun? Chao Se-chun. Chao Se-chun. Mm-hmm. He was called the king of kicking. Mm. Yes. Uh, the late uh, Zhao Chun was a student of Grandmaster Yip Man. He passed away a few years ago. 
his famous student is uh, Sifu Don Donald Mack, who if I've met before, he's in Hong Kong. Very nice guy. Um, and uh, yeah, they emphasize uh, in that particular line of Yip Man Wing Chun kicking. They have lots of kicks and, and, and apparently that was Cao Chun's specialty, right? Um, so I, ne I never met Cao Chun. Um, he had a, uh, another famous student named Stephen Chan. So Chi Gurk was um, his thing. I, I suppose, I don't wow. know. I mean, I've, I only have some of their books. I don't know. I have like a lot of the videos, so I don't know. Mm. Uh, Stephen Chan, I think, was one of the more famous students of Chao Tzu Chun. Um, he also did a couple movies. and um, and But Donald Mack seems to me to be like the premier guy representing Chao Tzu Chun's Wing Chun right now. I met him at Wang Kam Leung's party in 2017. Really, really nice guy. And what I like about him is he's very serious about his Wing Chun. He teaches it very professionally. And he's the... Um, Example of, I think, the kind of proper professional ethical Wing Chun Sifu that teaches a very orthodox or traditional style. I think there should be more people like Donald Mack representing the various lineages of Wing Chun. So, uh, wow. very, yeah, he's very professional. I like Shout him. Shout out. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know a whole lot about the method. Um, what I do know is um, <clears throat> Chao Tzu Chun back in the day had a student named um, Peter Chow. And Peter Chow, Peter Chow. Peter Chow's. I mean, I'm sure Is you've it? met many Peter Chows, right? <laughs> That's like, have you, have you met John Smith? Um, so, uh, Peter Chow, uh, who's a student of Chow Tzu Chun, I suppose would have to have been in the '60s, uh, moved to Connecticut. Uh, in either the late 60s or early 70s. Mm -hmm. And Peter Chow taught Wing Chun in, I believe, Stamford, Connecticut, and was the Sifu of my two first students, uh, the Lang brothers. Okay. So, uh, so Elliot and Wei both learned Wing Chun from Peter Chow in like the early, mid-70s. Mm. And they learned from Peter Chow. And they, so most of what I kind of know about Chow Tzu Chun is not directly for, about him, but kind of a Through little bit about his student okay. who came to Connecticut in the 70s or 60s. Well, at least he was teaching by the early 70s. So I don't know his exact story. I know he's still around, though. I think he actually visited Elliot a few years ago. Uh, and he, um, he taught them, and they, they were quite scrappy at that time. And they would even, you know, go around and, like, you know, mess with the other styles, right? One of, one of my boys, his brother, mm -hmm. learned under Peter Chow. Really? You know of him. You know, really? you know of this guy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they, they, uh, so my, those first two students I had in Connecticut, the, the, the Leung brothers, they learned from Peter Chow for a few years. And then according to them, Peter Chow just disappeared off the face of the earth. And then from about the mid-70s until they met me in 2002, mm. they didn't do any Wing Chun. They were seeking Wing Chun, but they couldn't find any Wing Chun in Connecticut. And then they found me in 2002. And then they started learning from me. So I, I you know, my, two of my most they senior found you in Connecticut. Uh, yeah, right? be, because I, uh, when I started teaching Wing Chun here in New York, I had a class out in Connecticut twice a week. Right. But I was just teaching at a dance studio there. Uh, and then eventually I handed over that school to Elliot. So he, the, the Stanford branch, the Connecticut Wing Chun or Club Kung Fu, is essentially the legacy of the classes I used to teach in Connecticut back in those days, right? There you go. And uh, so Peter Chow was their, uh, was their Sifu. Now, what's interesting um, is that uh, when Sifu Leung Ting first started coming to, to my New York branch to teach seminars, the Leung brothers came, and then, of course, you know, because they're Chinese, obviously Sifu Leung Ting is Chinese, uh, they told Sifu Leung Ting, like, uh, oh, you know, we learned from Peter Chow in the 70s, right, who was a student of Chow Tzu Chun. And um, different Chow, by the way, um, Chow Tzu Chun and 
Peter Chow. It's a, I think it's a different Chow character. There's, oh, right. there's a couple different Chow characters. One like Raymond, the, the common Chow, and then there's another type of Chow, like Raymond Chow is a different type. It's a similar pronunciation, but a, a different character. And uh, they they said that, um, you know, they were like, they told Sifu Ting, like, oh, we learned from Peter Chow. Peter Chow's Chinese name is uh, Chow Guowa. And, um, and Leung Ting was like, he kind of like shuddered for a moment. <laughs> and he was like, I remember this guy. And then they're like, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And then Leung Ting told this really funny story, which also shows kind of how petty Sifu Leung Ting could be sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and he said that in the... Um, in the early 70s, before he made his big book, you know, because everyone knows about Leung Teng's big um, Wing Chun Kun book that he made in the, in the mid-70s, 76, 77, which was basically his version of Masoyama's big karate book, right? right? When you see Masoyama's big, like, this is karate book, and you look at Leung Teng's Wing Chun Kun book, it's basically, <laughs> like Leung Teng just like, you know, Leung Teng really liked the format and, mm-hmm. then, and then made this kind of more overall kind of uh, overview book about Wing Chun, right? But before that, he actually published a few, you can almost say booklets about Wing Chun in the early 70s. Now, these books are amazing mm. because it was like Leung Teng when he was still young and still very enthusiastic. And he published these, these short books on different topics like kicking techniques. He had a whole book on kicking techniques. What? Uh, he had a book on self-defense techniques, a book like cheese out other things, right? And when you look at it, you know, because Leung Teng has a bit of a reputation for, you know, um, not openly teaching all of his best or advanced stuff. He kind of keeps it for himself and you got to stay with him for a while before you learn it. But when you look at these books, he was showing like stuff out of the eighth set of the wooden dummy, like chain kicks and sweeps and throws all like wild. You look at it now and it's like this stuff was almost pornography for WT mm-hmm. students in the 80s because you wouldn't even be able to see this. He put this in books in the early 70s from, uh, I think it was Kunwei Publications. That is enthusiastic. And um, I, 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 of course, have PDF copies of all of these, right? Because, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Man. So I, uh, uh, I knew the books that Leung Ting was talking about. And then he said in the 70s, he published these books. And he said that Peter Chow came to his school in Hong Kong. <laughs> and because uh, I think Siva Leung Ting would release one of these. I don't know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, uh, Siva Leung Ting would release another one of these little booklets, let's say, every six months or something like that. I don't know the, ex- I don't know the exact thing. I'm just kind of speculating here, right? And I think he was planning on coming out with a book that was going to show some even more crazy stuff or whatever, right? And then uh, Peter Chow went to the Leung Ting gym, met, met Leung Ting, was like, oh, I really like your books. And oh, I can't wait until your next book comes out because oh, they're, I, I, they're really helpful for my teaching, right? So then Leung Ting got the feeling like this guy was kind of reading his books and taking that stuff and just teaching it to his students. And then Sifa Leung Ting told me with no shame or irony in his voice, he goes, that's why I stopped making those books. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Like, you know, because like, for me, it's like, <clears throat> you, you, you know, he like, is the reason. Yeah. He we was like, don't he have was like, these anymore? he was like, this guy was taking all my stuff and teaching it to his students as if it was his own. And first of all, I'm like, well, first of all, what do you expect? <laughs> all right. I mean, like, you know, when, when oh, I, uh, when, 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 you know, I, I once had some guy who calls himself a Wing Chun Sifu walk into my school once unannounced yeah. just to have a chit chat and take a photo with me. Right. And he asked me a question about footwork. And I gave him like a really cursory short answer. I'm like, oh, well, you know, you can pay attention to this and, you know, just like a couple little tips, right? 
And then and then he <laughs> goes and and then he goes uh, oh uh can I teach this to my students? And and you wow. have to imagine this was like just like a it wasn't even instruction. I was just like saying something about footwork and I'm like, "Well, I didn't really teach you anything, right?" And then like 3 weeks later, homeboy makes a video on YouTube where he's like teaching it as if it's his own, right? Now, first of all, I don't get upset. I don't go like, "Oh, that guy's stealing my stuff" cuz he has no students and no one cares about him anyway. Um but for some reason, that kind of stuff really aggravated Sifu Lang Tang. And it was like, well, if you're going to write a book, you're going to have to. I mean, what's the point of writing a book? If you're not if, teaching something. If not to enrich what other yeah. people know, even if they're from other lineages or whatever, oh, right? That's good, good so, stuff. So I just, I just found it was kind of, it was strange. And but was crazy, even if it was true, because Lang Tang certainly doesn't feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. He's since obviously published books on the wooden dummy and other stuff like that too, right? But maybe that's how he felt then, because it was in in the early days of his career, he was very covetous about what he knew and what got out there. Mm. You know, he could have just been saying what he was like then. Um, but he, uh, but he, I remember when he told me, he was just, it was so matter of fact. Mm. And it was just like, he is the reason why I stopped making those books. <laughs> and he said it, I think, to the Lang brothers too. It was like, yeah, your old Steve was the reason why I stopped making these awesome books. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's just, so it's, it's, not, it's not really anything about but, but that's about all I know about that. Golly. So uh, we have time for one more. Let's, one. Mike Let's make a quickie. Make a quickie. JP Steve Sahana Hanna Han Sham San. <laughs> okay. Sorry, JP. All He's right. back. He's back. He's back. Yeah. All, all right. right. Go ahead. Go ahead. They say that working out in the morning is the best time too. Yeah, I think I think this it is, is a good. comment. Yeah. No, I think uh, working out in the morning, doing your exercise in the morning is good. But again, it, it, exercise and when you train is an individual thing. Depends what if on you're what a night you like. person? Well, that's the other thing too, right? Uh, I, I personally find that you're getting up in the morning and getting um, my physical training, not necessarily my Wing Chun practice, but like my physical training, like my cardio and my strength and my movement and my flexibility, doing that in Mobility. the morning, it really gets me, it really sets the, the tempo for my day and I feel like I have more energy and I get through everything a lot easier. And then... I'm also already like, I feel like I'm more coordinated when I do go practice. So yeah, if you've never tried it, all right, it might not work for everyone. But if you never tried it, I would definitely suggest try it for a couple of weeks. Get up in the morning, do your exercises in the morning, and tell me how you feel later in the day. I, th I think it really is the way to go. It doesn't mean you have to get up like crazy early or you have to do a big crazy long workout. Just, just a little bit. If you, if you wake up in the afternoon because you work late or something like that, make your training the first thing you do. I don't know up. about that because that wasn't the question. It was about training in the morning. In the I don't morning, know about yeah. people who get up well, in the afternoon. Some people's morning because is in I the afternoon. Because I teach Kung Fu, which Dre, that's a real job. And that's all <laughs> I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Like this episode. Share it on your social media. And if you have any questions for a future episode of the Kung Fu Genius podcast, put it in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys Next time. Word is I'm a kung fu genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your kung fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor.
Oh, make it a quickie. Let's get some fluff time as as I search Wait, for a good one. Just right, so quickie, fluff time, young sins. You know what I mean? Mia Khalifa, is this where we're headed? What's going on with you degenerates? <laughs> What's going right with us? Well, I had a feeling you were going to fuck it up. No. No, I didn't have that feeling. That I, I was very in control today. <laughs> I was hoping for a f- Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of f***-ups, now, your intro of Hot Hot Sets from YouTube. <laughs> oh, we are? No, no. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm dying. No die. No die. What time is your class? Uh, my class is <laughs> in seven <laughs> minutes. Jesus, okay. he's f***ing beet red. He looks like Bright a strawberry. Beet. He looks like, like, like a, a British, radish. He looks like a British radish. British radish. <laughs> a beetroot. A beetroot. <laughs> lots gems, of gems. Lots of Pamela Anderson. No. Lots of... Dre, we got it. We seriously got to do this. Have you seen Pamela Anderson? Dude, we didn't even talk Netflix about Pamela. No. Documentary? Get out of here with that. Oh, it's dope. Out of here with that. She's dope. And Dre is really underemployed at the moment. <laughs> No, I just started uh, Thursday. All right. New, new J-O-B. Okay. Got to have a J-O-B. All right, Dre, Dre, Dre. Focus, focus. Here. Okay. So, all right. Like a dog. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems. Lots of Pamela Anderson documentaries. Uh, lots of high kicking in lots Kung Fu. Lots of high kicking in Kung Fu. Uh, all right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung <laughs> oh Fu God. Genius, the genius will be answering all, all right, sorts of hot nonsense. From the top, from the top, from the top. Dude, you're coming in hot. Yeah, you're coming in hot. All right, peeps. On Dre, today. Dre. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering... <laughs> what are you laughing at back there, man? What are you doing? This is not helping. All right, peoples. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius... Scummer. Lots of gems, lots of high kicks in kung fu, lots of the all the bobs in the world. Woohoo! Well done. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules.